Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. On this episode, we have a non-Cubs fan. That's right. Stacy Gatsoulias, who is a Yankees writer, who has a big following on Cubs Twitter, which I asked her about early in the interview. But um, she writes for Baseball Perspectives, and she runs the websites for BP Bronx and Blocked on Yankees. So she does a lot of stuff about the Yankees, so I ask her some about the Cubs, but then we do talk a lot about the Yankees and some of the crazier New York people, New York sports personalities, we'll call them, around the Yankees. It's a very interesting conversation, and I think you'll like it. So here is Stacy, who you can follow at Scotts on Twitter, and here's Stacy. This is the first, you were the first non-Cubs fan or Cubs writer to be on my podcast, so. Oh, I'm honored. That's right. Um, I did, for whatever reason, a lot of Cubs fans follow you on Twitter. That's like, because I started following you because other people are following you, so. I yeah. don't know why, but you have a Cubs fan following, so. <laughs> I know, and I follow a lot of them, too. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I actually think I follow more Cubs fans than Yankee fans now. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, we are interesting, so. Yes, you are. <laughs> anyway, um, I usually start this out by asking what you think of the Cubs, but actually, you know what? I will anyway. So what do you think as an outside view of the Cubs this season? Uh, I I thought, did I predict that they were going to win? I think I may have. I think I predicted them to win the NL Central and for the Brewers to have one of the wild card spots. So I think my prediction could hold up. <laughs> it may happen. Um, I mean, I, I haven't, I'll admit, I haven't really watched a lot of the Cubs this year. Um, a lot of the times when I do my BP column, I'm actually just looking at, news because I have to cover like the whole weekend Friday Saturday Sunday and then narrow it down to what I want to write about but from watching Cubs Twitter it seems like every game is a roller coaster (laughs) I just uh it's so funny to watch um you know it's like you're watching the game through Twitter even though you're not actually watching the game because you're watching everyone's reactions and you know at some point It's like everyone wants to jump off a bridge and then two seconds later, they're all yelling expletives because someone's hit a home run. And (laughs) it's, it's a lot of fun following, following the Cubs that way. I have to say. Yeah. And I'm sure the Chatwood starts are just like bizarre for you to observe because we freak out about Chatwood pretty good. Mm -hmm. Just like we freak out about Sonny Gray. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Actually, I think it was fan graphs put up an article maybe yesterday uh, proposing a Tyler Chatwood for Sonny Gray trade. So I thought I would ask you, since you were subjected to Sonny Gray for the Yankees, just for a Sonny Gray rant. Ugh. It's just frustrating to watch because 
he, you know, he's a, he can be a good pitcher and he just can't be consistent. And he only seems to beat up on teams that are awful. Like he's been great against Baltimore this year. Thank God, or else the Yankees would have even more losses against them. (laughs) I just, I don't understand why he can't be consistent. And then from, I mean, from start to start, it's like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like it's like he's like two totally different pitchers. And I just want him to be, you know, he doesn't have to go out and, you know, pitch eight innings and strike out 12 people. You know, if he could do like six or seven innings, maybe give up a run or two or three, whatever, because the offense can usually score. I'd be happy with that. But it's just those two starts that he had that were one was two innings, one was two and a third, I believe. And just all the two-out hits, that's another thing. It felt like watching Phil Hughes all over again. Um, Hughes used to, you know, get someone to 0-2 and then give up a single or get someone to 0-2 and give up a home run. And it always seemed to happen when it was two outs. And Gray is struggling with that, too, because even in his last start against Baltimore, he got into a a little trouble with two outs in... I want to say the second inning and then the last inning he worked the sixth inning and he was actually able to get out of it. But I think if it wasn't Baltimore, <laughs> it would have gone a different way. So he just maddened. It's just maddening. Maddening. There you go. That's the word. I almost said Madden, like Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just frustrating to watch him, but I don't think they should trade him for Chatwood. <laughs> I think they should, I don't know. Maybe go for someone else. <laughs> yeah, trust me. You don't. You do not want Chatwood. <laughs> God, that is a. Oh my God. Walk, 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 and it's like it's not even close. Somebody, I got so mad because someone was like, "Well, Wilson Contreras did a bad job framing," and I'm like, "Have you seen these pitches? They're a mile wide. No one could frame them." Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I hate framing anyway, but that's a whole different debate. Yeah. I, well, I like it when the catcher obviously frames it and the ump ignores it and calls it a ball anyway. I like when that happens. Yes, which well, happens more than a few times a game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm always like, how can you quantify framing? It's the umpires. If they suck, they suck. It's right. like, it's not going to matter. I mean, can you fool an umpire sometimes? I guess, but it's, I just don't think it's a skill. And then sometimes, you know, it doesn't even matter because the umps strike zones vary so much. It's, it's kind of frustrating because you, you know, if you're in a three game series and each ump has a totally different strike zone, like one's pitcher friendly, one's hitter friendly. It's just annoying as a fan to even watch it. Cause it's like, what are you guys calling? And don't get me started on the fact that they have replay and the replay umps in the city are still screwing it up, even though they have, <laughs> they can watch a video closely. The Yankees have been screwed on like four or five replays. And I think one of them finally affected a game outcome. And it wasn't as egregious as the previous ones, but it was still one of those calls that they should have overturned and they didn't. And I just think like the game of baseball in that way with replay with more catchers doing the framing thing with more teams doing crazy shifts against people. You know, the game is changing over the last five, 10 years and 
you know, it, if you're old like me <laughs> and have been watching the game a really long time, it takes a while to get used to that. Like I hated infield shifts and, you know, like 10 years ago, teams would sometimes do it. Like I remember Jason Giambi always had a, sh- a shift on him cause he was pull happy, but now it's like, you see these teams and they're doing nothing but shifts <laughs> when everyone's up and it's just crazy to see how much the game's evolved in the last decade or so. Yeah. And you know, I guess I should bring up the elephant in the room here. You're welcome for Gleyber Torres. Oh yes. He has, uh, he has, uh, exceeded expectations. Um, you know, a lot of people were like, okay, you know, he's, he'll be a good hitter and maybe he'll run into one every once in a while. And now he has the most three run home runs in the, in the league or something crazy like that. He's hit like six of them. And he's just, uh, he's actually, he's a joy to watch. I, I like him. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure about him when he was first traded. And then when I saw how some of the Cubs fans reacted to it, I was like, oh, okay, you got someone good. <laughs> yeah, and I will be honest. At first, when he like, here's the, the scouting report and stuff when he was in the minors. You know, we were starting to feel good about him, but it was like, well, he's probably not going to stick at shortstop. Mm. And someone went, he's going to have 15 home runs probably. That's what they were talking about. He's got some pop. He'll probably get about 15 home runs in the majors. And then he gets traded and, like, just destroys the fall league with the Yankees. And we're all like, ooh. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a pretty good job at second base. He's screwed up a couple times that were kind of major. But, you know, it, it's going to happen when you switch positions from playing one mainly and then going to a different one. Because, you know, there's no way that the Yankees are going to move Didi Gregorius yet. Yeah, and, um, um, you know, the Chapman thing, like, they won the World Series. So, I mean, it, like, the Cubs winning, so how could I complain mm-hmm. with him winning the World Series? But if he, I, I do that with people sometimes. Imagine if, if we're game seven and Roger Davis, you know, ties the game, and then they walk it off in the bottom of the ninth inning, and then Clyde Torres goes to the Yankees and dominates. Oh, my God, people would have been... Oh, Cubs Twitter would have melted down. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Thank goodness that didn't happen. I was very happy for the Cubs when they won. That was a very thrilling World Series, and that last game was crazy. Yeah, you know, I shouldn't bring it up because it was a thing that happened when um, Chapman was traded to the Cubs. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's been an issue for fans of the Yankees, too, but Obviously, he had these domestic violence accusations, firing a weapon, and stuff. And it was very uncomfortable to have a guy like that on, on your team. How do you feel with that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't root for him to lose, but I'm not sitting there like, you know, everyone else is like, Chappie, do it, blah, blah, blah. I just, you know, I mean, I'd like for him to save the game, but I'm not like openly rooting for him. Um, I was there the night he debuted for the Yankees. And it was one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever been a part of because when he comes out, um, the entire ribbon board board around the upper deck becomes flames. And it's like this whole to do when he comes out. And it was as if 
they were welcoming, welcoming home like a hero. It was as if nothing ever happened. I was so uncomfortable. And then to make matters worse, you know, you have jackasses who get drunk at the games and, you know, this one guy, oh God, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about beating his wife, like as if it were a good thing. And I was just like, oh my God, I just can't even believe this is happening. So, um, you know, like I said, get the save, yay, but I'll root for everyone else and clap for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those weird things too, like um, with Chapman, like it's like it's almost like, it almost karmically you felt better that he did blow the game. So mm-hmm. he went on the mound and they won the World Series. I know it doesn't really make sense, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I have a very similar thing too with um now with Addison Russell. I just you know if he gets hits and does stuff, I'm like, okay, helps the Cubs win. But yeah, I just can't cheer for him and be like, like when he hits home runs, I don't go like. Addy with like a bunch of exclamation points. I just can't do it. So I I know where you're coming from on that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to, um, it's hard to overlook stuff like that. And a lot of people do because they're like, you know, they just don't think that that should have anything to do with how they're playing or how you root for them. But you know, some of us are just like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe it'd be easier not to worry about that, but, I mean, now, you have a similar job to me, kind of. You do a lot of recaps. Uh, yes. And I do a lot of recaps, and so just explain to the people the joys of having to do a recap almost every day. Ugh. Well, I mean, if it's a good game, it's so much better. <laughs> And it being uh, a frustrating loss. Um, You know, when I first started blogging seven years ago, um, I was part of Julie DeCaro's uh, network of websites that were run by women. It was called Era Sports. lasted for like three or four years. And the first year that I wrote on uh, the Yankee blogs, spreading the news, um, I wrote a lot of recaps. And I actually really liked doing them that first season. And I'd make them funny and I'd turn the titles into puns. And it actually got to the point where uh, girls from the other sports wanted me to do their headlines with puns in them because they thought I was really good at making stuff up like that. And over the years, it's become more of a drag to do recaps and I'm kind of glad that I'm on locked on. We don't have to really go in depth. We just have to do like a little bit of a review, three takeaways, uh, and then the player of the game. So it could be as little as like 300 words, as many as 600 words, but it's not like you're bogged down with it. Um, but like I said, loved doing it in the beginning because, you know, I was writing for a Yankee blog. I was so excited. I would have written about anything. And now it's just, I'm kind of like a robot when it comes to recaps now because I'm so used to doing them. It's second nature. Yes. Um, I also enjoy doing the pun titles. So 
I can feel you on that one. I uh, one of my favorites. Oh, I loved this. Oh, well, two of them. Okay, that was the season Freddie Garcia was on the Yankees, and he came back from the DL, and he actually uh, got the decision and won the game when he came back. And I said, my boy Fred's back, and you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and then another time, A.J. Burnett got rocked against the Orioles. I want to say it was my birthday that year. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. So instead of A.J., I said, oi, J. <laughs> Entitled it back because he was horrible. But, yeah, I don't, we can't, we're not allowed to do that on Lockdown Yankees. We have to worry about SEO and, you know, people seeing keywords and stuff. So I can't be as funny as I would like to be in my titles anymore. That kind of, that's a drag, but what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, because um, I'm trying to think of some good ones I've come up with. Uh, one, the Cubs are playing um, the Reds and Sal Romano was pitching and I went, uh, forget about it, Cubs whack Big Sal, which I, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Oh, wait, there was another one. Okay. Yankees-Mets, June of 2012, and it was the Sunday game of the weekend in Yankee Stadium. And Soriano, uh, Rafael Soriano, gave up the lead in the top of the ninth, and the Mets tied it. And, oh, no, wait, I believe they went ahead one? It was something like that. And it was like, oh, my God, whatever. So then the Mets brought in John Roush, the really tall dude with the weird tattoos. And I said to my friend, I said, if someone walks off, I'm going to say that they tattooed him in my recap title. And Russell Martin walked off like three minutes after I said that. And I was like, yes, I could do that title. So I was so excited to get home and actually do that. So, yeah, that's another one of my favorites. I said, you know, Yankees tattoo Roush winning extras. (laughs) There's one I think I wanted to do, but I could never do. And it was the Cubs were playing the Cardinals. And I wanted to do um, DeYoung and the Restless. If Paul DeYoung hit a blackout home run against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And I hate the Cardinals, but I really wanted to do DeYoung and the Restless. <laughs> yeah, I think I've done, I'm trying to think. Oh, another time I, Bartolo Colon was pitching. And I said that uh, Bartolo gives Toronto high colonic. That's pretty good. Yeah, because he beat them pretty well. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, because um, I have that too. I write for uh, two sites, Cubs, Cubs Dan and Cubs Insider. Mm-hmm. And Cubs Insider, the recaps are like um, locked on where it's like very formulaic where you do a few sentences and then. The, yeah, so I, I like those better, but the Cubs did one, or like you go for it. You have to do the whole big long recap, and those can be fun, but sometimes they can be a little you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to do the short like robotic ones, like you were saying. Yeah, um, I remember one time when I was with Eris. It was a I can't remember why the game ended so late. I think there was like a weird rain delay. And the Yankees, like the game resumed at like 1130 and it ended at like 1 or 130. So I'm sitting in my living room about to type this recap and I'm pretty much legally blind in my left eye. And I I thought I saw something 
flying past my head. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I look up and it's a bat, oh. like an actual bat. So I panic and I run and hide under the kitchen table and realize that I left my phone <laughs> by my laptop. So I'm sitting under the table and I'm like, oh my God, what the hell am I going to do? My 30 pound cat is jump, trying to jump in the air to try and get at the bat, even though he can't get anywhere near it. And then all of a sudden I hear a toilet flush upstairs. I'm like, oh, someone's up. So I ran upstairs, got my brother, told him what was happening. And then he was able to get the bat out of the house. So I turned that story into my recap. I said, that was not the bat that I wanted to write about. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. I've never had anything like that that I can put in my nightmare. And the funniest thing about it was I'm yelling and freaking out and we're closing all the bedroom doors because the bat flew up into the upstairs hallway. And you know, my mom woke up. Now my mom and dad slept in separate rooms because my dad snored like crazy. I could hear him. I was on the opposite side of the house and through two closed doors in a hallway, I could hear him snoring. It was just really bad. So she's looking out of the guest room and I'm looking out of the bedroom, but trying not to open our doors too much. My dad slept through the whole thing. Had no idea anything happened. Didn't hear me screaming, heard nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we told him the next morning, he's like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah, no, there was a bat. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll ask you uh, one more Yankee team question. Um, the Red Sox are kind of pulling ahead a little bit. Because they're are playing you... crappy teams all the time. Okay. I was going <laughs> to ask, do you think that the Yankees can catch back up, or do you think they're destined for the wild card? No, I, I don't think that this race is over at all, because early in the season, when the Yankees started 9-9 nine and nine and then they went on that run, they caught up. The Red Sox were like seven and a half ahead, and they closed the gap. So... And they have, I think they have six, six head-to-head games in September, and I believe they play the last weekend. And what the Yankees need to do is they need to be like the Red Sox and beat up on crappy teams. Um, you know, instead of winning two out of three, you should be sweeping crappy teams like the Red Sox do. Um, you know, and there is no excuse for... The Yankees have like 20, 20% of the Orioles' wins. Like 20% of their wins this season, where they have like 26. Something are, like that, yeah. Are against the Yankees. Meanwhile, Boston is 9-1 and one against Baltimore. That's the difference between first place and the wild card. You have, to beat, you have to beat the crappy teams. Now, the Yankees can beat the good teams, which is good. You know, like in the season series against uh, the Indians, they had swept them at home and then this past weekend they split in Cleveland, but that's still five and two against the Indians. They beat the Astros three out of four in Houston. And they've they haven't really had that much of a problem with the Red Sox either. So you gotta win against the good teams, you gotta win against the bad teams. And the Yankees are playing a lot of bad teams coming up, like forty of their next game like they're playing a lot of crappy people. I mean, they're opening up against the Mets. If they lose any games to the Mets again, it'll be a total embarrassment. And it should count as three losses. <laughs> well, I guess that, that's a good question to ask. So the Mets, like, should we feel bad for them? Should we enjoy them being bad? Because as a Cubs fan, I also do not like the Mets. Um, well, I don't, I don't really dislike the Mets. Like when I was growing up, um, 
my dad taught me to not like the Red Sox, not like the Dodgers, and not like the Royals, because those were the people that the Yankees always played against in the playoffs in the late 70s. The Mets were just the other team that plays in the other league, and, you know, not like the Yankees and Mets played each other when I was growing up. Um, that whole thing started 20 years ago. So kids who were like 10 years younger than me grew up with that rivalry. So I, I'm indifferent to them, um, but I do enjoy uh, when they fail only because for some reason, every Met fan I know personally is an obnoxious Mets fan. And it's weird because they have nothing to be obnoxious about. I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I never understood it. Um, when I was working at NBC, my executive vice president and his executive assistant were Mets fans. And back in 2007, the Yankees opened the season horribly. They were awful until like late June, July, and then they kind of went on a run. So from April until July, he would come up to my desk, make fun of the Yankees, brag about how good the Mets were doing, blah, blah, blah. And then as the season went on, the visits became more infrequent because <laughs> the Yankees were picking things up and the Mets were just, you know, they were all right. So when the Mets blew that division in the last two weeks of 2007, I watched that last game against the Marlins that Glavin like gave up like what five or six runs in the first inning. And I was sitting in my apartment laughing and just thinking to myself, work is going to be so much fun tomorrow. And when I walked into work, my friend Joe sat by the entrance to our office. And I walked in, I'm like, isn't it a glorious Monday morning? And he knew exactly what I was talking about. But I didn't rub it in. I ignored them. And they ended up coming to my desk, the two of them together. And they're like, come on, give it to me, give it to me. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I said, because the Yankees could lose to Cleveland in the first round, and then I look like an idiot bragging. I'm like, so this is your lesson. Never brag until your team actually wins something. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the Mets. It's okay. more like the people I know who like them, just I don't understand. <laughs> like my cousins grew up on Long Island, so most of them are Mets fans. Um, they're not obnoxious Mets fans, thank goodness, but, you know, that – it's funny having that split in the family because my dad, you know, raised me to be a Yankee fan. Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, the Cubs White Sox situation, where like we don't, we honestly do not care about the White Sox mm -hmm. Cubs fans, and the White Sox care so much about the Cubs. It's amazing. Yeah, I've noticed that, and I need, I've even noticed that, uh, you know, on Twitter, it, like it's very strange, like. I think White Sox fans are just bitter because no one remembers them winning <laughs> in 05. And, you know, that was a big deal when they won because they had a really long drought as well. But, like, I mean, even I made the mistake. I was like, didn't the Angels win in 2005? And someone's like, no, they won in 2002. The White Sox won in 2005. I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I actually cheered for the White Sox in that series. I mean... Why would I go for the Astros? But yeah, it's funny because, but they hate the Cubs. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of like um, like the people who root for the Mets kind of have like the little brother syndrome, where they're constantly trying to bother Big Brother, us Yankee fans. 
And, you know, even when they were winning, like, you know, God, seventh grade was the worst for me when they won in 86 because my homeroom teacher was a really big Mets fan to the point where he drew the Mets logo really well, by the way. He had one part of his chalkboard reserved for the countdown, you know, 12, you know, 11 wins, 10, blah, blah, blah. And I remember he asked all of us, you know, Yankee fan or Mets fan, and me and my friend Andy were the only Yankee fans in the in the whole homeroom, and he just, oh, he tortured me that year. It was so awful, and I wasn't rooting for either team to win. Because I was going to say, that would be like an impossible choice for you. I was rooting That's for the Red Sox. Ugh. Ugh, I was rooting for the, rooting for the Meteor. <laughs> I didn't want either team to win. But I do admit that the ball through Buckner's leg was, was pretty funny. Yeah, poor Just Buckner. Kept their drought, you know, even longer. So, but yeah, <laughs> that was a rough World Series. Yes. Oh. You know, that was always the, um, everyone thought, speaking of the world ending, was like 2003, everyone was like, is this going to be the year the Cubs play the Red Sox in the World Series? Mm-hmm. And will the earth like implode on itself? And the and then, Ugh. yeah, I mean, for me, I, you know, and it's funny, people like, you know, they show the Aaron Boone home run all the time, but I feel like the Aaron Boone home run doesn't matter at all because of what happened the following year. And I hate Joe Torre to this day for not bunting on Kurt Schilling because, you know, the Red Sox would have been bunting on our gimpy pitcher if we had one. Like, really? You're going to be like nice? Like, you're fighting for your playoff lives. What are you doing? It's like he has his, supposedly, his ankle is hanging on by, like, a thread. Make him, like, try and feel bunts and stuff. What the hell's the matter with you? Ugh, I blame Joe Torre for that. And I think he should have been fired after 2004. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but he's such a good guy, you gotta give him a break, huh? <laughs> I'm talking about uh, Kurt Schilling. He deserves a break because he's such a nice guy. <laughs> God, he's, uh, he's something. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll ask a couple fun ones now. I don't know if they're fun, but um, my brother, now we live in Montana. I'm going to tell you first, because this is how weird this is. Loves Mike Francesa as comedy. Mm-hmm. And he will listen to Mike Francesa all the time. <laughs> so I've been exposed to lots of Mike Francesa. Oh my God. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Can we just talk about him for a minute? And like, I'll just let you go to, because a lot of people don't know who Mike Francesa is, especially listeners of this. So I'll let you explain a little bit. Okay. Mike Francesa is pretty much the biggest voice in New York sports radio. And when he, when WFAN, the flagship station, like the first, you know, sports radio like big station that happened. Uh, he was with Chris Mad Dog Russo, the guy that screams at you every day on MLB Network. And they were Mike and the Mad Dog. And they had their show. And, you know, they were both obnoxious, but they worked well off each other. And then Russo left and Mike was by himself. And <sighs> listening to him, I can't listen to him for more than five minutes because... 
he has this habit of repeating himself like eight times when he's talking about something, which drives me insane. And the callers that they let through, like, I want to call in and be like, you're all idiots. (laughs) What's the matter with you? Like, oh my God. And Mike, you know, made this whole big thing that he was leaving and, you know, he's going to be done. And then, what was it? How many months was it? Five months? Something like that. Four or five months. He comes back. He pulls a Jay Leno. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm back. Here I am. And I have to say, Michael Kay, the uh, local um, Yankees broadcaster, has a show on ESPN. So they're rivals. And I bet when Francesa was like, all right, I'm leaving. And when he left, Kay was like, yes, I could finally get some of his audience because Kay could never catch up to Francesa because there are so many men in the New York area who like worship Francesa. It's kind of scary. And then he pulls this stunt where he comes back five months later and Kay still can't beat him. Yeah. You know, Kay was trying to play, like, diplomatically, like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal that he's back. I'm telling you, Michael Kay, he had to have been stewing. He had to have been cursing, flipping out, being like, what the Why is he coming back? He was like, oh, no, this is great, because now we can renew the rivalry, whatever. But, yeah, Mike Francesa is just, like, the kind of guy who, (laughs) I mean, he knows enough about sports. But he also says a lot of stupid things, too, because I think he's playing down to the audience uh, intelligence level, because no one that calls into New York sports radio sounds smart ever. They all sound like morons. And most of the people who call into FAN are Mets fans anyway. So, yeah, because that's I do like it's he's so full of himself. He thinks like, you know, the Mets here, they're no good. Forget about the Mets. That joke, everyone knows that joke. And it's just like, you get like, and he's so full of himself. These callers call in with these just bizarre trade proposals. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought the Cub fans' trade proposals were bad, but oh man, it's like you're trading like the very, like, who's the very last guy on our roster? That'll get Machado, right? I mean, you know, Neil Walker, that'll work for Machado. And it's, it's uh, actually pretty, pretty humorous, but. I have to say, to anyone who doesn't know who Mike Francesa is, go on YouTube, put in Mike Francesa Mets rant, and you will see one of the best segments of radio in your life. The Mets, uh, they weren't terrible in 2012, but the Rockies were terrible. And the Rockies swept them in four games at City Field. And Francesa went off on the Mets for like 10 minutes. And my brother and I sometimes listen to it you know, from time to time just to laugh because he legitimately flips out at how bad the Mets were in that yeah. series. To the I, believe, I believe one of the lines was like, the Rockies, you lost to the Rockies, and he's screaming. They're my like, own team. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, what did he say? Oh, God, what was the record now? Because he said that he kept saying, yelling the Rockies. Yeah, what? it was like 20 and... 35 or something. I don't remember what exactly, yeah, but it was, <laughs> he repeated it a, a lot. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you want to see this rant, just type in Mike Francesa Mets rant, and that will probably be the first thing that comes up. And it is just, it's priceless. All right. And then the other, of course, New York sports personality I wanted to talk to you about is, of course, the Yankees radio announcer. 
John Sterling and his home run calls, which again, you should really Google his home run calls because, but what is going on with that? Like, especially this year. Um, I do have to say that his age of Gregorius is pretty good. I got a laugh out of that one. Um, what was the other one I liked? Damn it. Now I can't even think, but I loathe, loathe his Stanton call. It is so dumb and so bad. And he's so proud of it. And uh, his birthday was a couple of weeks ago. So when Stanton hit a home run in a game, Michael K did the Sterling call. And they had a camera on him recording him doing the call. And Paul O'Neill was sitting next to him and shaking him and laughing because he couldn't believe that he did Sterling's call. Oh, it's just, look it up. I can't even pronounce the words that he says because he says something in Italian, I want to say. I think it's Italian. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, but I, I can't do it either. But You know, John Carlo, no say quo del Parlo, something like that. And he's just so proud of himself. And he makes, he usually makes like 50-year-old re- references because he's 80 years old. He just turned 80. Um, like when Matt Holiday came over to the Yankees, I was like, he has to do a holiday, like, Madonna reference, right? Because, I mean, that song's over 30 years old. You know, and I've never heard that song. I was like, what? Like, give me a break. Yes, you did. But I can't even remember. Oh, I got, he did Happy Holidays, like that. <laughs> holiday at a home run. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I, first of all, I'm shocked he's 80 years old. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but you just like... Like he's eighty because they were having the other day, and I'm like, I guess he would be because he's been around for so long. It's, yeah, he doesn't look it. He looks good for his age. I have to say that. You know, because I knew I, he was up there, but I yeah. was like eighty. Holy crap! Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I like I pride myself on the fact that for some reason I can do a decent impression of John Sterling. But um, my favorite one is always the Giambino. <laughs> Yeah, I loved Jason Giambi. Like, really, like, just thank God Twitter wasn't around then because, oh my God, if Twitter was around in 2005, it would be just my timeline would be ridiculous. Oh my God. But I have to say that, that you know, that was the year after the whole Balco thing. And um, he started off really slow and there was talk about sending him to the minors. And then all of a sudden in June, he started eaten up a little bit and then in July he just went nuts and kept hitting home runs and it seemed like every game I went to he'd hit two home runs I saw him hit two home runs like three or four times that summer um but oh god yeah Giambino that was a good call I also I mean it's inappropriate but an A-bomb from A-Rod was pretty good uh what the hell was Matsui's again oh god I can't think of Matsui I remember he accidentally started an A-Rod call when Matsui hit a home run and the whole A-bomb Japanese player thing was like, oh, <laughs> like, no. Yeah, that's probably not good. No. no. <sighs> oh, but yeah, he, um, what the hell does he say? Oh God, who is it? Damn it. I'm trying to think there's like a really other than Stanton. There's another call. 
that is just, you know, like you're like, oh my God. <laughs> my brain is just blocked. I can't think of it. But yeah, no, nothing's worse than the Stanton calls. Just so bad. Yeah. All right. And the, well, first, and the first time he did it, Susan Waldman was like, his partners, there was like silence. Like, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, stunned silence. Um, yeah, so I'm going to ask one non baseball question. Okay. You mentioned it before, but you worked at NBC. Mm hmm. And 30 Rock is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. So I'll, I'll just ask for one. What's one like interesting celebrity, whatever uh, story you have about working at 30 Rock? Ooh. Hmm. I have. I saw them constantly because the SNL offices were in our elevator bank. So I saw a lot of people. Um, let's see. Oh, well, okay. This is kind of weird just because of him being in the news for being a total pervert. But there was one day, uh, there's a concourse level under... 30 Rock, it's like subway level, and there's a lot of stores and restaurants or whatever, and there's this one restaurant that I used to go to a lot for lunch because it was the type of place that literally had every type of thing that you would ever want to eat, and I was walking down the stairs, and I apparently was next to Matt Lauer and his two children, and as I was walking down the stairs, his son grabbed my hand as I was about to pass them, and I was like... And I looked at Matt Lauer, and he shrugged his shoulders, so I walked with them to the rest of the way down the stairs because this little, like, three-year-old boy held my hand. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. But, you know, I saw Chris Kattan. I saw uh, Daryl Hammond. Oh, this is funny, too. Daryl Hammond is kind of obnoxious, and there was a rule that you couldn't look at him. He didn't like making eye contact with people, but... Uh, 11 years ago, I was in Weight Watchers at NBC, and our meetings were in a conference room on the 16th floor. Every single Wednesday when I went towards that conference room, Daryl Hammond would be walking the opposite way. I don't know if he went down to the 16th floor to use a different bathroom or something, like, you know, SNL was one floor above. But after a while, he started nodding his head at me because, I mean, it was every single Wednesday at almost the same point in the hallway that we would pass each other. It was, it was hilarious. Um, oh, I saw, uh, what's his name? Oh, Will Farrell. Oh, yeah. He is ginormous, first of all. And I'm 5'9", so I'm not, like, tiny or anything. Um, and he had this big bushy beard and, you know, everyone was like, you know, not wanting to make a big deal. Um, anytime Lorne Michaels was in the elevator, people would suddenly turn into comedians and start telling jokes to try and impress him. I was like, really? Yeah, he's <laughs> going to be, be in the elevator, you know, you're pretty good. Yeah. I'm hey, going to hire you. Down in uh, audition. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it was mostly like SNL people. Um, the first year I was there in 99, uh, Sting was the musical guest, and I believe Jennifer Aniston was the host, and I loved Sting, loved, 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 loved. So we went down to the main SNL floor, uh, eight, where the studios are, and 
I went with my two coworkers and Sting was like six feet away from me and I froze. They're like, go up to him. And I was just like, ah! like it was as if my feet were glued to the floor. <laughs> I just got so like, oh, it's Sting. And he turned, looked, and then he walked into like one of the rooms or something. And I was like, oh my God, I blew my chance to see Sting. Damn it. But yeah, that was, that was awesome still. Cause he was, I was just like, oh my God, he's right there. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that I'm out of a question. So, <laughs> um, Thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I had fun. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Uh, Remember, you can follow me at STH85 on Twitter. And if you have any questions for me, you can email the podcast at the email address holycowpod at gmail. So if you have any questions, just send them to me. And uh, we should have Another episode soon, so thank you for listening.